Welcome to Blog Talk Radio and Let's Blog Talk Radio. I'm not used to the introduction. Welcome to Let's Talk I'm not to used You. To the introduction. Welcome to Let's Talk I'm not to You. Whoa, that's really weird. Okay, I think I was getting echoes. Um, anyway, welcome to Let's Talk TV with Barbara Barnett. I'm Barbara Barnett. Um, I invite you all to come on in and give us a call or Skype in in a little while. Um, since this is our first show, and I'm expecting actually a guest in a few minutes, um, and uh, he's going to join us and talk about TV with me. Um, and then we'll open up the lines and let everyone who'd like to come in and, and say hi and ask a question. But let me uh, introduce myself. Um, the tremble you may hear in my voice, either literal or figurative, is my nervousness, this being the first show and all. I've been a guest on several other radio shows, both on the Internet and on traditional radio, and have even been a guest on TV shows. So I'm not entirely a newbie at this. Um, and especially when I was out promoting my book, Chasing Zebras, available at Amazon.com, the unofficial guide to house. Anyway, I'm Barbara Barnett, and I am what they call an online entertainment journalist. In addition to being co-executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, which, by the way, you should check out if you don't already know about it, blogcritics.org, which is owned by Technorati Media. Um, and I just launched my own TV-only blog called Let's Talk TV, which is at Let's Talk TV at BarbaraBarnett.com. So do drop by there, and I update it all the time, both with stuff I have on um, on Blog Critics, but also original things as well. Um, I got into this game five years ago when Eric Olson, now of the Morton Report, then publisher of Blog Critics brought me on board to write about HouseMD. Um, had I only known nearly 600 articles, one book, that's Chasing Zebras, ago, and many celebrity interviews later, here I am. So welcome. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, James is here somewhere. Um, press one to notify and press one. Okay, so James. Can you call James? Can you please call us on the guest call in line? By the way, the number is 718-305-6982. And I see also in the room we have the Once Upon a Time a fan podcast. Jeff, is that you out there? Um, call in, say hi if you'd like. Um, and I am. In, you're in the queue, so I'm gonna. I'm hoping. Hello. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Is this Jerome Wetzel TV? It sure is. Hey, how you doing? I saw you in the queue and I saw MMZ0 number. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's my wife's Skype screen name. I'm confusing you. <laughs> oh, yes. You confused me. Okay. Um, I just saw the Once Upon a Time fan podcast guy just said rock on. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so welcome to James Daly, also known as Jerome Wessel TV. Um, James and I met because you work for Blog Critics Magazine. You write for us and a whole bunch of other things as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, yeah, I've been writing for, oh, God, it's been about three years now. I'm closing in on 1,200 articles in that time, um, started writing for Examiner and then uh, met you on Twitter, and so I decided to follow you over to Blog Critics, and now I write for that, and I write for Seat42F.com and the TVKing.com, so very, very busy writing. Great, great. Yeah, it gets it gets a little bit um, crazy because you start writing for so many different places, and uh, but I'm glad that you're writing for Blog Critics. You write about Glee. What else do you write about for us? Uh, lately, it's been mostly DVD reviews for you. Uh, since they're sending them to me to screen, I, I feel, you know, obligated to put them as many places as possible. So, uh, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of Doctor Who DVD reviews and my weekly Glee column and then just whatever else uh, um, fits in the schedule that week. Great, great. And please check out his work wherever he may be and follow 
uh, Jerome Wetzel TV on Twitter, and I think that's your Twitter handle anyway. Yes, and, uh, Great. So we're going to talk about first. Oh, before I go on, um, I want to mention a sad bit of news that I heard on the way home while I was in my car that Alex Karras passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How sad. A uh, great sports figure and on many situation comedies. So um, that was very sad. Um, let's talk about some of the new TV. Um, what's been on your DVR these days, Jerome? Or I'm going to call it, I'm going to actually, I'm going to call it, you want me to call you James or Jimmy or Jim or what do you like me to call you? You know what? Any of those works. I get called all of those on a daily basis. So it's completely yeah. whatever you feel sounds natural. You know, I'm writing a novel and, and my hero's name is James, but I call him Jamie. Okay. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever called me Jamie, but you're welcome to if you want to. He's actually British, so I think the Jamie thing goes well with a British character. But I'll call you. uh, I'll call you James. Okay, that works. So tell me what's on your DVR these days. Uh, Everything. (laughs) Um, I've tried to (laughs) sample. Well, I I try to sample all the new shows. So uh, especially in uh, knowing I was going to be talking with you tonight, I was really making an effort to catch up on all of the new stuff. Um, so I'd be prepared to talk about what's, uh, what's just started and what's worth watching. Um, my favorite new show for the, this fall, I think is probably last resort. Yeah. And it's so neat. It's got like the, the submarine and the intrigue. And I know some of the special effects are clearly reused from episode to episode, like that one shot of the missiles opening up on the sub, but it doesn't matter. And Andre Brower or bro, however you say his name. Brower. Brower. He is fantastic. I mean, I really don't know if he's insane or not. I love the show. I've seen the first three episodes. So I've seen mm-hmm. already tomorrow night's episode. Oh, cool. Um, and I was like, I was really excited to, uh, get access to those. Um, it is by far and away the best show, I, best new show. Um, my only fear, this is my big fear about that last resort. Um, I love the show. I think it, it is a real anomaly on network primetime TV. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, I mean, this is an HBO show, if there ever was one, mm-hmm. um, or, or a Masterpiece Theater show, or a BBC show. This is not an ABC show. And, well, and, go ahead, sorry. But, uh, no, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, they did give Lost six seasons. Yeah. So, you know, if any network's going to do a show like this, it would be ABC. Yeah, or Fox. <laughs> or Fox. You're right. That's true. But Fox would cancel it after 13 episodes. Um, well, you know, they gave, <laughs> I mean, they gave House a chance. Who would have thought that would have worked? But we'll talk well, about that later. <laughs> um, but it also I, works very well, but anytime they get a good genre show, Dollhouse, Firefly, I mean, they get the axe pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm in Sci-Fi Network lately. Sci-Fi is kind of on my, in my doghouse these days, but we'll talk about that later. Um <laughs> But I'm loving uh, Last Resort. Everybody should watch it. It is tense. It is intense. Um, It is a political conspiracy, military thriller. I actually did a – I've been reviewing it, and I called it Seven Days in May Meets Failsafe in Reverse. (laughs) You know, it's like the whole military – it's a coup. Obviously, there's some sort of a coup going on. But it is a tremendous show. Andre Brower, who, by the way, played uh, Dr. Nolan on House MD um, for uh, several episodes in season six and seven. Um, He's wonderful. He's so, so good. Um, Also, by the way, uh, I don't know if you noticed, James, um, Jesse Schramm, who plays the wife of the uh, XO. Mm -hmm. She, of course, is uh, Cinderella on Once Upon a Time. She is, and she also does Falling Skies for uh, TNT. She's pretty busy. She's very busy. Wasn't she? She was just in a movie, too, and I cannot remember what the movie was. But she was recently in a movie as well that I saw. And uh, so she's great. Um, And the show is fantastic. So please, please, please watch it. If you're not, we want this one to succeed. Um, So what else are you watching? Um, Well, uh, Revolution. I I thought the first episode – 
was a little hokey, not quite what I wanted it to be, but the next couple have been better and better, and I don't know. I, I really think it's uh, finding its stride here as we move into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm watching it. I'm still, I'm still not entirely sure. About... Well, I'm not sold on the main girl. That's my biggest obstacle, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, you know what? I'm finding that that is the biggest weakness of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking Billy Burke. Oh, fantastic. And Giancarlo Esposito, who yes. Once Upon a Time and Breaking yes. Bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh, he's great. Oh, is he sinister? Woo! I couldn't believe this past week when, you know, the the boy rescued him from under the beam and then he turned around. And I saw it coming, but I was still just like, no heart at all. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but I'm, I'm a little out to see it. I'm not, you know, I, I love the darkness of it, mm-hmm. but I'm concerned that, I mean, I like my sci-fi dark. I mean, you and I have talked before. I love my sci-fi really dark. Oh, yeah. And this has too much family stuff in it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I loved Jericho when it was on, and I was really sad to have seen it gone. Um, and, yeah, that had a lot of family stuff, but it was all connected to the to the heart of the story. And this is just, she's just too good to be true. Charlie, I think her name is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's too good. Um, but I like Miles. I love I love Billy Burke. I've not seen him in so many things. I know he's like in Twilight and all these other things. <laughs> um, but this is really the first thing I've seen him in, and I really am intrigued. I like him a lot. So I, I you know, I always give a show three tries, and then I usually decide. Mm-hmm. However, I've watched three episodes. All revolution, and I'm still not sure. <laughs> I'm still not sure. So I'm going to keep watching that. Um, so what else? What else do you watch in these days? Um, do you watch any sitcoms? You know, I, <laughs> you would think I don't. Um, <laughs> I know, based on the reviews I see, I've seen come out of your column. It's really funny because um, I used to love the CBS sitcoms. I mean, I was addicted. If I, if I turn on like me TV mm-hmm. and I can sit there mystified and mesmerized watching mash. Oh, um, mash is awesome. And, uh, you know, the odd couple and mm-hmm. just about any other classic seventies, eighties, even nineties sitcom. And I haven't gotten into two. I have to confess. Um, my husband was a big Seinfeld person, and I just couldn't get into it. The Simpsons, I love The Simpsons. <laughs> um, watch The Simpsons. Did you see Treehouse of Terror, by the way? Uh, not yet. From this week? Yeah. Really, really early this year. Yeah, but, it is. Yeah, I, I concentrated more on catching up on the new dramas. I saw the season premiere of The Simpsons, but I did not watch this week's yet. It's on my TV. I'll get to it. It's really good, but we watch The Simpsons. I watch Futurama. Oh um, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, it's like animated stuff, right? Um, but as far as sitcoms, sitcoms, you know, I gave Partners a try. It, yeah, I really wanted that one to work because I like Michael Yuri, who was on Ugly Betty, but it just didn't. Partners just isn't gelling for me. Mm, um, so yeah, I I very seldom pan a show. And because if I don't like it, I tend not to write about it. I know that's not being a very good critic, but um, I tend, if I don't like a show, I just ignore it and, Mm -hmm. you know, leave well enough alone. But because CBS sent me a screener disc with all of their new shows on it, um, I kind of felt compelled to watch it and review it. And I really, I didn't like it. I thought it was, there were so many cliches. And the laugh track really bugged me. Yeah, I mean, it it has a wonderful cast all around. I mean, I really like the actors in it. And it's from the Will and Grace people, so I expected more of it um, because I enjoyed Will and Grace. But, yeah, uh, it can still find its legs. It just has not yet, for sure. 
So two things, I'm going to do a six degrees of separation thing. So I, my mind works sort of randomly, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm a stream of consciousness writer, and I'm a stream of consciousness talker. So forgive me if I bound from thing to thing. I think it's just the two of us in here anyway right now. <laughs> so, um, But speaking of partners and the Will and Grace people, um, Jeff Greenstein, of the, who was Will and Grace director, I think co-creator, he and Jane Espenson um, last year put together a web series called Husbands. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen season one. I, I have season two, like when they first premiered, it emailed me and it's been in my inbox, but I, you know, I, I just have a hard time finding time to get to the computer. I'll probably just watch the whole season at once, once it's posted. Yeah, it's half an hour. I mean, the whole season. It's three. What they did this year is they took three episodes and made them like nine, ten minutes each. Oh, cool. Um, so did they finish season two already? Uh, yeah, yeah, they finished oh. season two. And um, I'm actually, I interviewed Jane uh, Espenson a couple weeks ago about the show, and I am also in the process of setting up an interview. And I'm, maybe I'll bring them on to Let's Talk TV um, with. Uh, Brad Bell, Cheeks, and Sean Hemian, who um, I've been emailing back and forth with Sean, and Cheeks has been in Italy, and he's back now. And uh, so I'm going to try to get them on uh, Let's Talk TV and uh, and do an interview on the air live. So um, that hopefully will happen maybe the beginning of November, if not before. Um, and then also connected with that, Jane Espenson is going to um, – come on as well on to Let's Talk TV, I think the week of the 21st, when her Once Upon a Time episode airs, and I want to talk about Once Upon a Time in a little bit, um, but she's going to come on the air and do an interview and take calls from people as well. So I'm really excited about that as well. Um, but uh, also speaking of Will and Grace, <laughs> um, have you seen uh, Perception at all? It's not, it's, it's over for the season. Right, yeah. I still have four episodes I haven't watched yet, um, so I'm behind, but I've seen most of the season. And I, I like Eric McCormick in it. It just uh, – I have a problem with procedurals. It has to be a really special procedural for me to stick with it. I, I've loved Bones over the years. I saw every episode of House. Uh, but they both – like, Bones has a great ensemble, and House did – some really neat artistic things and you know that season where they fired everybody and they had the competition with the interns i i just it's hard for me to get into a show that basically feels like the same thing every week and as good as eric mccormick is perception that's what bugs me about perception yeah 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 it it is and and i actually i was not i did not watch will and grace with any regularity there goes that sitcom thing again. And I want to get back to your question about sitcoms because obviously you want to talk about them. Um, but I really liked Eric McCormick. And um, I really – I watched the show and enjoyed it. But, again, if it's just a procedural, it was so formulaic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to know more about the character. Now, you haven't seen the last couple of episodes it does get much more. The last episode is two parts. Um, and it is absolutely riveting. Uh, and I really went out on such an interesting bang. Um, and you really don't know if the Eric McCormick uh, character, and I can't remember his name, Daniel, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel Pierce. Um has lost his mind. I mean, and he is, he has a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, really um, pretty, um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I actually interviewed, um, uh, um, 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 oh my God, I'm having like a brain fart. <laughs> um, Jordy Lafarge from Star Trek. LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. Thank you very much. I'm so sure. Um, I interviewed him a while, a few weeks ago, and uh, asked him about, you know, about perception because he he's got a small role in it, but he's so wasted on that show. It makes me so sad. But he's really enjoying doing it um, because he's really wrapped up with his Reading Rainbow Mm -hmm. um, iPad app, which is what I interviewed him about. 
Um, but he's really enjoying it and feels that it, the show has something really important to say about a very um, underrated topic, so, uh, which is mental illness. So it's, it's pretty cool. So now I want to get back to what you were um, started to say about sitcoms. So what, what's with the sitcoms? What are you watching? Well, there's a, a couple that I really like this year. Um, the New Normal. It's by my Glee guys, so, you know, there is that campy, humorous aspect that I liked um, that's present in Glee, although Glee is so uneven, it makes me mad uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's just this horrible episodes. Um, but The New Normal, it, it's got uh, – it's really funny. It's got some great characters. Um, the the grandmother on the show, Ellen Barkin, is so – such a big – a bigot. Um, but what's interesting is they do treat the characters fairly. Like they had a dinner party a week or two ago, and they were the gay guys were upset with Ellen Barkin because she kept bashing them for being gay, uh, basically. And so they and she also said that they didn't talk the talk. They are they didn't walk the walk. They just talked the talk about inclusion and equality. So they tried really hard to find a black friend to have a dinner party, and everybody at their dinner party was very liberal, and they kind of ganged up on her. And I have to give the character credit that, you know, she disagreed with them on the points, but while they were all ganging up on her, she was the most uh, succinct in her in her beliefs, and she really came across as sympathetic, and you start to understand the layers. So it's a, it's a show with really good characters, a lot of heart, and uh, it doesn't just play to cliches, which I really like. Cool. They keep tweeting me, um, or their fan site keeps tweeting me that I have to watch it. So I will try. I will definitely give that a try. Um, by the way, I see that one of our guests in the chat room, Dakota. Hi, Dakota. Um, is a fan of my Once Upon a Time stuff. So mm-hmm. we will talk about Once Upon a Time. I promise, and we'll talk about it a lot because I know <laughs> I both watch it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I will, and, and we'll be doing a lot of talking about that. So, so hang on, stay tuned, and bring all your friends in, please. And we'll talk about Once Upon a Time in about 10 minutes, I think. Um, so uh, what else? Oh, um, have you seen Elementary? I have. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I really think Johnny Lee Miller is doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And now, this past week, all I could see, though, was House in him. True. Yeah. Felt so oh, much oh, oh. like Lori's character. So, you know what? Ha, so funny that you should mention that. So, guess who two of the co-executive producers on Elementary are? Um, my guess would be House People. They are. Peter Blake. Mm-hmm. who I love. I've, I've talked to him several times. And um, I've actually been emailed. When I saw he was co-executive producer, writer on the show, he didn't write this week's episode. But when I saw him on the credits, him and Liz Friedman, um, I tweeted him and then I emailed him. And um, actually, he's going to hopefully set me up with an interview with the creator of the show. So I'm really excited. And another house connection. Guess who's guest starring in a few weeks? Lisa. Yes. Lisa Edelstein. Mm-hmm. Or Cuddy herself. And so that'll be really cool. It'll be sort of an old home week. So um, there is a house connection. Um, I'm loving Johnny Lee Miller in this. I have seen him in a couple of things. Um, movies, train spotting, of course. Um, and he, did you ever see Train Spotting? I did not, but I loved him in Eli Stone. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I Train Spotting made stars of uh, Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. who starred in it as Renton, and also sort of started the ascendant star of Robert Carlyle, who is, as you know, James. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite. Now that that. Hugh is gone from TV. Um, I guess I guess uh, Mr. Carlisle is my new TV boyfriend. So, <laughs> um, and so it was. And I've actually seen them together in another movie. He and Johnny Lee Miller. Um, but I really I'm liking it a lot. I love the the um, the Lucy Liu as uh, Watson. She um, hasn't sold me yet. Uh, it just, I mean, I don't mind her necessarily. I'm just not seeing it as a traditional Watson character. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah. 
But what I like the most about it, I think, is what Johnny Lee Miller brings to it. I've always seen Sherlock Holmes as he's, he's a Victorian character. He's a Byronic hero, but he's never portrayed that way. He's always portrayed as a cold, pragmatist, logic automaton and with no emotional heart, even a deeply buried one. And that's kind of when I've read the Conan Doyle stories and novels, I've always kind of, whether it's in the subtext or not, I've sort of seen that there. And um, and in, this is what I saw in House, is that House is really Sherlock Holmes, but there's a, a deeply buried, wounded spirit that comes out. And you don't see that too often in conventional Sherlock Holmes portrayals. You see that in Johnny Lee Miller. And, and that's there. And some of the non-Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes novels do show that side of Holmes. But I'm really seeing that in Johnny Lee Miller's performance, especially in the last episode. I want to know, did you see the last episode? I did. I did. I'm current on that show. Okay. So, you know, that violin... Oh, that was a good bit there. Oh. So good. When he burned it, I was like, is this them thumbing their nose with the whole history? And then when he opens the case at the end, I'm like, okay, good, good. He's in tears. He is. Oh, it was such a moment. Oh, my God. That was, that to me, see, to me, that is what's missing from a lot of Holmes stuff. Not, not the Sherlock series, because I've, I've seen several episodes of the BBC series, and it's on my list to really catch up with it. Oh, the BBC is awesome. Season is. or series two was even better than series one. Yeah, it's totally on my on my radar. Um, and I love um, I I love Martin Freeman as well, who's of course going to be Bilbo Baggins in the uh-huh. Hobbit, which is really exciting. Um, I really really like him, um, and I like Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I'm not He's like, also going to be in The Hobbit. Yeah, I heard. Hey, did you also know that he and Johnny Lee Miller uh, were very good friends and had done um, a Frankenstein stage production together? I did not know that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, they're very close friends, I understand. Hmm. Uh, so, But I'm really liking Elementary a lot, and my husband, who's much more critical than I am, um, <laughs> really is enjoying it. Again, we I saw it on the screener that CBS sent me, and I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. So um, I do want to talk about uh, – oh, anything else you're watching? Um, uh, another sitcom, Go On with Matthew Perry. Oh, I heard that's really good. I haven't seen it yet. It is. It's got kind of a community vibe. I don't know if you've seen Community. That's my favorite currently running sitcom. It's amazing. And if you're a sci-fi nerd, and I know you are a bit, you really enjoy Community. Uh, They do like multiple timelines and stuff in a sitcom at a community college. Um, But it's kind of got that vibe because he's got like a self-help group to try to get over the grieving that he's experiencing over his wife's death. But then they also have, he's definitely the lead. So it's not a total ensemble and, you know, they follow him to work and stuff too. And I mean, it's not weird like community, but it's got that kind of group mentality and you've got some really interesting quirky characters and Matthew Perry is just fantastic. And they're letting him mix the humor and the heart. And that's, that's where his strength lies. So I'm really pleased with what he's doing there. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to catch that. Like, I have no time to watch TV. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I get hooked on a show. And, of course, if I really get hooked on it, I have to watch the episodes over and over and over again, <laughs> which takes a lot. And, and then when I write my column, because I don't usually write recaps. I don't do conventional reviews. I tend to like to, you know, find something and then really, you know, really um, pull it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also watching, uh, I watched Vegas. I've watched a couple of, of episodes of Vegas and, um, also very, uh, very good, uh, procedural show. Dennis Quaid is good in it. 
Um, but I want to switch to Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said I would do that. It's 30 minutes to go. I'm trying to do that. And I'm going <laughs> to not take the station break here, but I do want to um, promote Chasing Zebras, which is my book about the TV show House. And uh, it came out in 2010 and uh, covers the first six seasons and lots of other stuff. It's not really only an episode guide. And it is available at Amazon.com on every electronic device you can even think of. Um, Nook, uh, iBooks, Kindle. It's in every country on the planet. And it's in Spanish. And it's on Kindle in Spanish in those Spanish-speaking countries. So it's there. So buy it and... uh, it helps pay for this show, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> well, and it's just fantastic. I mean, I if you like Barbara's column, um, as I did, I went and got the book, and I read it cover to cover in just a week or two. It's just there's so much insight there of things I I missed watching House. It made me want to go back and watch the whole series again. It was it's a very neat book. I I highly recommend it as well. Speaking of which, I'm going to be doing a blog critic rewatch of House MD starting from episode one in January. Awesome. Because I only started covering House for blog critics in season four. So um, the first three seasons I never covered. So I'm going to start it again. Right now I'm doing a Stargate Universe rewatch, and I just posted my commentary on episode two, which is called Air Part Two. And before this this show is over, I want to talk about Stargate Universe because I am like a major league evangelist for that show right now, even though it's off the air. So I don't care. Um, I love this show. Um, And by the way, Dakota, um, if you are a Robert Carlyle fan, and I know you're a Once Upon a Time fan, you got to watch Stargate Universe because as wonderful as Carlyle is as Rumpelstiltskin in Once Upon a Time, he is sensational in Stargate Universe. Um, and he is the star of the show, and it is brilliant. So I'll talk about that later. But let's talk about Once Upon a Time. Okay. <laughs> so we're in season two. Mm-hmm. Episode two is aired, and Magic is back in Storybrook. And boy, is it screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think Rumpelstiltskin actually believe that it was going to work this way no clearly he doesn't i mean he's the character that you have a suspicion throughout season one that he knows what's going on and he's got all the cards but in the second episode there's definitely some stuff he doesn't quite realize or hadn't figured out yeah you know i mean i i thought you know i i kind of had the whole uh raison d'etre for the curse completely worked out and i did Mm -hmm. i was right i'm so like I'm so excited because I called it from like mm, the first episode where we see Rumpel's son Balefire, and I said, okay, so this is why he did the curse, and he did. I mean, just talk about an elaborate scheme. Mm-hmm. You know, hundreds of years earlier in his timeline, to speak in sci-fi terms. Um, well, I mean, they have, you know, wormhole. I mean, portals and stuff like that. It is kind of a sci-fi show. I'll give you that. Yeah, it is a sci-fi show. They have parallel universes. And, you know, he should actually, I mean, Carlisle should be pretty comfortable there because they actually have, you know, the <laughs> portals look an awful lot like Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> comfortable when he's not in that, that makeup oh, <laughs> they do for Rumple. That cannot be comfortable. That's Poor man, that poor man, what he has to go through. I think he said it took something like two hours for the makeup and another couple of hours just to get him into some of those costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his wife is, uh, she's a makeup designer. And um, I'm sure he has a great appreciation <laughs> of the bizarre makeup. Um, and he probably, get, he probably gets no sympathy from her, but okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, so anyway, so this is like this a major elaborate scheme. Why do this curse? Well, to get Balefire back, right? This is mm-hmm. what I think. 
Right. To, so, so he's got this elaborate scheme he's going to send because Balefire exits through this portal into this world without magic, i.e. Um, our world. And um, the only way for him to go after him is to have a way to go to this land without magic. So he creates the curse and manipulate whether it goes back to even before Korra or not, I don't know. But um, he manipulates the whole thing and to get the story book, but then to be able to break the curse, right? Mm-hmm. Curse, get Emma there, break the curse, so that then he gets this vial of magic potion made from Emma's parents, right? So and charming, so that then he can leave Storybrooke with his magic and get Balefire back. And now we are at this point brought out of Storybrooke and he's stuck. Poor Sneezy. Oh yeah, first Sneezy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yeah, that was just a little heartbreaking. But his brothers are gonna get it back for him. Yeah, yeah, I think that they will. I think they will. So so what do you think of season two? Is it every bit as uh as intriguing as season one, do you think? Oh, absolutely. If yeah. not a little more. So I mean, season one took a little bit of time to hook me. I, I the first like four or five episodes. I liked the pilot. And then I was really having a problem with the first few episodes after that. But by the time Jane got there and started doing the Rumple stories, you know, it really took off and became one of my favorites by the spring. And this first two episodes back, I mean, Regina's story alone in the second episode was just pure amazing. Lana Perilla is fantastic. I think it's Perea. Or Perea, sorry. I mispronounce everybody's name. That's okay. No, 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 not a problem. You know, she's now my buddy. Aw. Friend. We, uh, I did an interview with her a few weeks ago. And what, what a lovely woman. She really is. She, she's, and she actually, while we're doing the interview, she, we were talking about, um, um, I can't remember what we I think some of her influences, mm-hmm. um, some of the actresses who, she's influenced by and because she's such a she always plays such strong characters so um so we're talking about some the the actresses of the 40s um and so she says to me well you know I've never talked about this with anybody before and um which was kind of you know it's like wow she'd done a bunch of interviews that day My husband just walked in and said, <laughs> hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually part of the shtick. So, hi, Phil. I'm on the air live, dear. Okay. He's trying to be quiet and keep the dog from barking at me <laughs> or at him. Anyway, um, so she said, you know, yes, you know, I'm asking her things no one's ever asked her before, which is like, wow, I can't believe that. But we ended the interview, and um, she wants to do another one, a longer interview. Um, it was only 15 minutes. So we're going to talk again um, in uh, January. And uh, hopefully, uh, maybe I'll even get her on this show. We'll do it on the show. So, um, so that'll be kind of nice to have her. But, yes, her storyline this season is incredible. Um, I love this. Talk, oh, talk. Yeah. Well, yeah, the way she, I mean, the interactions with Henry and everything, uh, you get that she knows that she's not always in the right, but this is the, giving her this backstory this week, uh, I and mean, we'd seen some of her backstory, but this took it a little bit further, and I mean, seeing that she knows the difference between right and wrong. And she is trying to be a better person that she's been corrupted by this magic and she doesn't quite know how to get back, but she's making an effort. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I love the actress. She's doing such an amazing job. And that character is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. She told me that um, definitely Regina is going to really try 
to do better, to really to redeem herself. And that's what her storyline this season, or at least the first part of this season is all about, is really trying to redeem herself in, uh, in Henry's eyes. And so that'll be kind of interesting to watch that. Um, it's really cool that Emily DeRaven is a regular on the show now. Mm-hmm. Even though she wasn't in the second episode. Yeah, I, you know, I have to ask Jane about that. But one, when I talk to her, um, one of the the things I'm thinking is that she's really Emily Duravin is really only contracted for X number of episodes. Mm-hmm. Could and, be. Yeah, and because yes, even though this week's episode featured Rumpelstiltskin, it wasn't a Rumpel-centric episode, per se. So I'm wondering if that they're saving her for um, more, at least at the beginning of the season, more Rumpel-centric episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I know that um, Crocodile, which is coming up, is a very much a Rumpel-centric episode. And uh, I know that Emily DeRaven is heavily featured uh, in that episode. I, I posted uh, promo pics on my uh, Let's Talk TV blog um, from the, that upcoming episode. So, um, But that's interesting. I've got a question for you. So what do you think, who do you think Dr. Whale is? I've been racking my brain. I kind of feel like he's got to be maybe connected to the Pinocchio story because of the name Whale, but yeah. that could just be a red herring. In, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, somebody said, oh, well, maybe he's the dark one, but Rumpel's the dark one. Right, no. You know, Dr. Whale's interesting, but I want to know who was in that first scene of episode one this year. Yes, you know, that was one thing I had asked Jane Espenson about when I interviewed her a couple weeks ago, um, is like, what was up with that? Because I, I saw the screener, and in fact, it was really funny because I booted it up, and uh, which is it's on the ABC press site and I booted it up and started watching it and, and the teaser open and I was like oh did I boot up the wrong series mm-hmm. going on here and it was completely different the music was different this guy is a completely different character who knows who he is I kind of susp- and by the way that that whole like this is a fish out of water for this show mm-hmm. was completely intentional. That was exactly the response they wanted. It was such a lost opening. It was like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And it does, I mean, a lot, some of the lost guys work on Once Upon a Time, and, of course, Emily um, did both. Right. But, yeah, it, that just felt to me because Lost was – always opening every season with something completely different right. in a different locale that just kind of surprised you. Yeah, I mean, that's pure Eddie and Adam, who are mm-hmm. also lost people. And um, But it was such a non-sequitur <laughs> of an opening. And um, But, okay, so do you want to know who I think that is? Who? I think he's Balfire. Now, see, I, I wondered that, but, you know, a TV line... Um, dot com had broken down various things in his apartment because mm-hmm. they had said that that apartment was very carefully decorated to yeah. kind of give you hints and I, I I don't have a clear idea but there was the sign about the hats and or hatters and so then I started to wonder if maybe it was the March Hare to go with the Mad Hatter but then why would he not be in the Storybrooke I don't know I am pretty I mean Balfour is the only one that makes sense to be out of the story unless there's some other twist that well, we don't know about but the Mad Hatter seems to know an awful lot about Rumple. Mm-hmm. So because remember at the end of last season who was it that let Belle out of the sanitarium right it was him. How would he even begin to know about her? To know enough to, one, know that she was there, but also to tell her that she needs to find gold and mm-hmm. tell him what happened. He needs, he knows something. So even if there's Mad Hatter-esque things, remember, he's a portal jumper, right? Yeah. Mad Hatter. And so is Balefire, in a way, 
right? So mm -hmm. their paths may have crossed. Oh, absolutely. That's so, true. You know, that to me is evidence that it could be indeed Bellfire. I think this character that they introduced at the beginning, Matt Teaser, is way too significant to be the March Hare. You, yeah, I mean, you could very well be right. Uh, Balfour, I don't know. I, I just felt like, well, maybe that was slightly too obvious just because he's the only known story character to be out of Storybrooke and not in the Enchanted Forest world. Yeah. So, I don't it know. It is obvious. Um, but they've done things that have been fairly obvious before, mm -hmm. although they've done things that have been like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed real quick with all these reoccurring townspeople. And I love it. Uh, I love seeing everybody there um, in these episodes, but I'm disappointed Amy Acker hasn't been there. I mean, they're out of the spell and everybody's reunited, but she's not with Grumpy. And we've seen her there, like, but not this season. Where is she? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that, that those characters will pop in and out. You know, I, I'm, we know where the mirror is, right? We know where Sydney is. Sydney mm -hmm. is, well, aside from the fact that he's on uh, Revolution. <laughs> That's what I, I figured. It's just got to be Amy Acker didn't have time in her schedule yeah. to be one of that those uh, people that are in all those episodes. But right. And I was a little disappointed Raphael Sabarge got... Yeah. demoted this season but at the same time he didn't have a huge role in season one so his role size probably won't change yeah i'm sure he'll kind of be the same um as he was and, and i really like him i really am enjoying I, I enjoy his characters or his character parenthesis s uh <laughs> parenthesis um but and jesse shram too who is cinderella wasn't there i don't think right well, you know, yeah, she's full-time on Revolution, so it's... On, no, on Last Resort. Oh, Last Resort, I mean, sorry. Um, yeah, so the, that's what stinks on those actors who are really good go and get other jobs. I mean, can't they just stay? Yeah, but they're small parts, so... I, yeah, I mean, and most of those small parts, like not seeing Jesse Schramm, I guess I, for the story, that's okay, because she's not one of the main ones and whatever. It just felt like Amy Acker's absence was more obvious just because we have been seeing grumpy you know they did the whole romance thing between them we've seen yeah. the the blue fairy so where is the other nun yeah that's true well hopefully we'll see her by the way it was interesting in the um promo shot that i posted mm -hmm. for uh, crocodile we see the truck the game of thrones uh, game of thorns truck mm -hmm. one of the themes one of the pictures, and guess whose truck that is? Well, that's Belle's father. Interesting. So I noticed that. I was like, huh, the Game of Thorns truck. Hmm. And I had asked Jane about whether we were going to, whether there was going to be a, a reuniting of Belle with her father, and she was very cagey when she answered me about that. <laughs> and she says, well... Maybe or maybe not. She never gives spoilers. She's uh, I've talked to her half a dozen times over the last year, and she never gives spoilers. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> cool. um, so I'm really excited about this season of Once. I think it's uh, it can only grow stronger. Um, I am a self-confessed Rumbell person, and I actually hate those act. You know those little mashups that go with the chips. Mm -hmm. Like I hated saying Huddy you know, or Hilton. I hated those. And it's funny because in Chasing Zebras, I never, ever, ever, ever used those. Not one time. Um, I was adamant about that because people had asked me, well, you know, how are you going to call those relationships? I said, I'm not calling them by those names. <laughs> but I confess that I am a, uh, a Rumple Bell shipper. Um, and actually, Jane Espenson calls herself a Rumbell shipper, so I guess I suppose I can't be that all that and not uh, not admit to it. Um, <laughs> so I really am, you know, looking forward to to those. Um, I want to talk really quickly. We oh, I can't believe fifty minutes have gone by already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wild. Um, but before I leave Once Upon a Time, I do want to uh, say also, uh, as I said, I think Jane Espenson will be on this show 
the week of the 21st of October. I almost 100% sure of that. Um, and uh, Gareth Hughes, who runs the UK Once Upon a Time fan site, who did this amazing auction for uh, with Kids Glasgow, which is a charity for which Robert Carlyle is an ambassador and um, is a big supporter of it. In fact, he had donated to the auction the, in quotation marks, chipped cup, which went for several thousand pounds on the auction. Um, I actually donated my Comic-Con desktop, which had everyone's autograph on it, and that went for 300 and something dollars, which was, like, astonishing to me. Um, but Gareth is going to be joining me, I think, the week of the 28th um, to talk about the time and their fan set, which has thousands and thousands and thousands of, of followers, which is amazing. Um, and I was, I was there at the very beginning and it was not participating in it, but just, uh, serious and struck up a friendship with Gareth and, and, uh, try to be a friend to that site. Um, so he's going to be on as well. So, okay. So have you ever seen anything? Have I seen what? I'm sorry. Stargate anything. Oh, Dumpy. just the movie. Okay, just the movie. Uh, we had just seen the movie, my husband and I. I don't remember seeing it. He assures me we saw it in the movie theater. <laughs> I, I must not have been a hunt, all that memorable to me. I remember liking it, but I don't remember a lot more about it. Um, and I didn't watch any of the other iterations, Stargate 1, or sorry, Stargate SG-1, or Stargate Atlantis or any of the miniseries or anything. There's been Stargate on the air since the mid-90s. And I hadn't, I'd heard of Stargate Universe because I do watch Sci-Fi Channel and I was watching Battlestar Galactica and Caprica and all that and um, had heard of Stargate Universe, but because it said Stargate, I wasn't all that interested. Um, And then when I became aware of Robert Carlyle in Once Upon a Time, I was like, huh, um, I really like him. I have to check out other things. Of course, I am I am embarrassed to admit that I wasn't familiar with any of his other work at the time, including things like the Full Monty um, and Train Spotting or anything else he'd ever done. So I checked out Stargate Universe because um, I was curious, and I saw within five minutes of the first episode, and I don't even think he was in the first five minutes. I was riveted. I was completely addicted to it. It is dark and it is bleak and it is um, brilliantly shot. It's really well written. It is intelligent, good science fiction. Unlike the other Stargate, it's just sort of light and frothy and not dark at all. So, I got hooked. I watched all twenty. There, there are a total of forty episodes, and I watched them back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> my husband. I did that with Jericho because um, I hadn't seen Jericho when it was on either, and I got Jericho um, and literally watched every single episode in order. Um, I, I do that when I get into something, and I watched all forty episodes. Universe in a row, and I was completely. And my daughter, who is a PhD in chemistry at the University of Washington, um, I kind of sat her and her husband watched with us last uh, Thanksgiving, and they also got hooked on it. People, which is science is really good, and I found out I've seen blogs on it from physicists and. This, who really loved the show, and so I'm I'm watching it. I watch. I still watch it. I think I've said at least four or five times, and um, I am doing an official rewatch. Official rewatch because it's not mentioned by this, but an official blog critics rewatch. I'd like to invite anyone who listens to this platform, and James. I- invite you please to at least watch one episode i you know i'd love to it uh, right now i've just you know i've got a full tivo and uh, it's so hard to find time i've been trying to watch doctor who for over a year 
And it's so hard to find time to get caught up on that stuff. I know. Hey, did you watch Torchwood when it was on? I can't remember. Yeah, I've seen all of Torchwood before I realized it was a spinoff. That's right. That's right. I remember when I first um, watched, I I first decided to watch Torchwood, um, and I can't remember how I started watching it, but something triggered me to watch it. And I remember watching it and tweeting about it, and you tweeted back to me and said, hey, season two is even better than season one. It was. <laughs> I remember that, and I really got hooked on it. I really loved Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Liked uh, Miracle Day, um, although not as well as the other three series. Um, and I actually – and Jane Espenson actually was a, one of the main writers on on uh, Miracle Day. Sorry, Jane. I liked your episodes. I did. Um, <laughs> But I asked her when, uh, actually when I ran into her at Comic-Con, or not ran into her, but it was an intentional run-in, asked her if there was going to be any more Torchwood. And um, I understand that Russell Davies, who created Torchwood, um, his partner's quite ill. And Mm. it's unlikely, while his partner's still living, that... um, that there's going to be any more Torchwood. That's what she, she told me kind of on the fly. Um, and uh, so I wouldn't look forward to any more Torchwood, which is kind of sad. And now John Barrowman is in, what is he in? He's in a, he's in a, a network series. Um, and I, do, you, do you know which one he's in? No, I didn't, Blank. I didn't hear this. He is on, and I'm going to have to Google it. Okay. Hang on a second. Sure. Got to Google it. John Barrowman who is actually from my area. And, of course, he was in some Doctor Who episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Playing is, the same character, which is interesting, because some of his tortured co-stars played different characters in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah he, was, he played, played Captain Jack. I love Captain Jack. I do, too. I love that coat. In fact, we're having a Halloween party um that I'm hosting and we're trying to convince 11 people to dress up as the 11 different doctors. We haven't got 11 to agree to it yet, but we've got at least five of them. So hopefully we get, get some good pictures. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Okay. And I'm not seeing this and maybe I imagined it. Hang on. I'm looking at, uh, he is in, uh, hustle TV series hustle, but I don't, no, that's not what I was what I was thinking of. Okay, so maybe he was cast in something that hasn't been on. I'm just really I just am blanking on this. So I will find out and I will uh I will update when I know that. But um yeah, John Barrowman is actually from Glasgow. He's another Scottish actor. And if you've ever heard him speak in his native accent, it's it's quite a stark difference from his flat Chicago tones that he normally speaks with because he's from the Chicago area. He he grew up for many years in the Chicago area. So, uh, but anyway, so yes. So you watch Dr. Who, which is your, okay, who's your favorite? We've got one minute and a half left. <laughs> I have to ask you, who is your favorite doctor? Oh, you can't, you can't pick a favorite. They're all so <laughs> different. Great. Three. Three, uh, I would say Tom Baker from the 70s is fantastic. Of course. Um, Oh, shoot. Uh, I want to say William Hartnell. Was he number three? I'm sorry. You know what? Can you repeat that? Was William Hartnell number three? Ooh, I don't know the order of them. Uh, It's the third one. He's got wild gray hair. For some reason, I'm thinking it's Hartnell, but I could definitely be wrong. No, Hartnell was the first doctor. The third doctor... Uh, John Pertwee. John Pertwee, Pertwee. I love him. You know, I was, like, totally picturing him with the wild hair. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Pertwee, yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, it's got to be Tennant or Smith. I I haven't seen enough of Smith to really judge, but Tennant's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would say uh, Tennant is good. Um, I wanted to like Paul McGann. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I always thought that um, that... uh, Oh, gosh. Now I'm blanking. Um, there are so many people who, you know, everybody says should be Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. You know, um, gosh, everyone from uh, Richard E. Grant, who actually played Doctor Who in one of the specials. 
there was some sort of uh, comic relief UK, and he played, I guess there were nine Doctor Whos in one episode, including a couple of female Doctor Whos. Oh, wow. Doctors. Um, so, yeah, and, and Carlisle keeps getting mentioned as a next Who, a next Doctor. Sorry, not Who, but a next Doctor. So, Who, quote unquote, knows. And we are done. Hello? Yes, great. Oh, yeah, we are, we are off. Uh, the air. Oh, wow. It just cuts us off after 60 minutes? I um, I guess it does. I should have counted down. <laughs> That's so bizarre. I will know for next time. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, so uh, thank you. Thank you, thank sure. you. Sure. Ah, I'm sorry. I wanted to give you another plug. That's quite all right. I'll just come back again sometime. <laughs> absolutely come back again. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Are you going to be posting these on iTunes? I'm going to be posting them everywhere. So okay, great. And a transcript. I'm going to actually get transcripts. Nice. So I will email you a copy of the transcript. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, so thanks. This is so much fun. And there was, I, I had a great time. We had a couple of people pop in. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to look at like a podcast, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, yes, I will put, put it on iTunes. Okay, great. All right. Hopefully in the next day or two. Well, thank you, and have a great evening. Well, you do the same. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.